Well, hi, this is Mark Dennis, and welcome again to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Uh, today we have a um, an interesting program. We're actually going to discuss the Liturgy of the Hours, the Prayer of the Church, and uh, here to join me for that conversation is Francis Harry, my co-host. How are you, Francis? I'm doing very well, feeling very blessed, and looking forward to this conversation. Francis had actually asked, um, we had discussed doing this a number of weeks ago, and uh, it took a little convincing of, of me, I think, Francis, but I'm going to go with you on this because I think your instincts are always very good. Thank you. Um, and we have... Um, a lot to share with you about this very special prayer of the church. Uh, some of you, no doubt, our listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with it, and many of you pray it. Uh, we hope to offer you some additional insights. And for those who may not be familiar, we hope uh, this will serve as an introduction to the Liturgy of the Hours, or sometimes known as the Divine Office. Uh, and we'll distinguish a little bit those terms. But let's begin, as we do each week, with prayer. Francis, would you lead us in prayer? Yes, I'd like to start with the Lord's Prayer because it is common to all of the hours that are in the offices of the divine office. So let us pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Francis, I think we should probably begin for the benefit of those who may not be familiar with the liturgy of the hours or the divine office in just describing what is this? What is the liturgy of the hours? Okay, can I... Can I kind of determine uh, or uh, discriminate between those two terms? Yeah, I think you know how I like to stop and, and catch you on. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, well, the divine office is the name given to the whole um, compilation of offices. There are seven offices, and um, each of those offices are for a different period of time in the day. So, for example, there is like a morning prayer, a day time prayer, an evening prayer. Anyway, those hours are also called the liturgy of the hours. Just like we have liturgy in the Mass, we have liturgy of prayer of these hours. And all together, all of this together, is called the divine office. Um, a lot of people pray all of the office, but most people pray just parts of the office. And the principal parts, uh, and by the way, I, I'll offer my own uh, perspective on the word office as we discussed before we began. Uh, you know, to me, it's uh, um, your office hours. You know, yes. these are the hours you're supposed to be in the office. You're supposed <laughs> to be doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. Whatever your uh, secular vocation might be, uh, many of you have office hours. Well, here, uh, these are our spiritual office hours, and uh, we're expected to be there and uh, fulfilling our obligation. Uh, but but the most prominent um, hours are which ones? The morning prayer and the evening prayer. Morning prayer and evening prayer, okay. Uh, as 
Discast Carmelite seculars, we are obligated to pray the morning prayer and the evening prayer and night prayer as we're able. Um, many religious, though, pray all of the offices. And so it depends on your order and your station in life. And a lot of people in the public might pray this. Um, and many may have heard of Vespers or evening prayer. So um, we, we want to kind of go into what this all is about, in case you've never heard of it. But uh, we kind of wanted to distinguish between those terms at the beginning because sometimes um, we have a lot of them. And we also have one called Christian Prayer, which is a one-volume versus a four-volume. But we'll get into that later. Now, let, let's start with there are seven hours, you said. And let's let's outline those seven hours. So uh, we should say, too, this is the um, church's response to Paul's commission to pray without ceasing, right? Absolutely. This keeps us focused throughout the course of the day, uh, continuously in these seven instances, arguably, if you do all seven hours. Um, it keeps us focused on, or seven offices, in mm-hmm. fairness. They're not each, they don't take an hour to do, but the seven offices uh, could arguably keep us very focused throughout the course of the day on prayer. But what are the seven offices? It starts with the office of readings, then morning prayer. There's mid-morning prayer, midday prayer, and mid-afternoon prayer. So three in the middle of the day. And and sometimes they can uh, group those together and call it daytime prayer. And those are very short, right? Those are relatively speaking, those are shorter. Yes. And then there's evening prayer and then night prayer. Uh, and, And just to clarify again, Office of Readings, which you mentioned, that uh, typically would precede morning prayer. Isn't that true? Um, it can actually be done any time. Okay. Any time of the day or night. Um, I, I know, I think they used to do it, you know, in the wee hours, you know, like around the midnight hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it's, no longer it, the case. Now yeah. you can do it any time um, of the day or night. Yeah, I think it was done, I may be mistaken here, but I think it was done at 3 o'clock, so it was the vigil prayer, really. Right. That's, you know, they'd wake up in the middle of the night to read the I guess office. they want to give them their sleep now. So yeah. Vatican II changed a lot of things to help make this um, more doable. And so uh, we, we all start with the invitatory, which is our opening uh, prayer of praise, and that precedes the first office that we do, yeah. we, no matter which office it is, right. we always start with invitatory. And then, you know, say your first office of the day was, you know, evening prayer, then you would start with an invitatory and then go to evening prayer. But if most people um, would do the morning prayer and the evening prayer, so mm-hmm. they would do the invitatory, then the morning prayer, and then later the evening prayer. Now, I know we're going to talk about this, but just so um, we sort of table set for our listeners, um, these prayers are available at any major Catholic uh, bookstore in written form, but they're also, we're not going to cite it now, we'll do it at the end, but they're available online, right? Absolutely. In fact, uh, we happen to know a, a friend of ours, a deacon, who I know reads his office every day online. He does it with his little tablet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are very readily accessible. All these prayers are readily accessible. I will say, if you do buy the four-volume set, um, it's a little pricey. It's not inexpensive, um, but you can always default to, if you have a computer, just go ahead and do it online. So the prayers are readily available. You you mentioned, um, and I, again, I want to just distinguish, the one-volume Christian prayer um, is a um, sort of shortened version of the full four-volume, obviously. And the one thing it does not have 
would be the Office of Readings. Right. right? It just has the invitatory morning prayer and evening prayer. And some editions will add a little or take a little away, depending on what edition you're looking at. And it's not a bad way to start, actually. If you're just being introduced to Liturgy of the Hours, maybe the single volume is not a bad way to begin. It's called Christian Prayer. uh, And again, available at any major Catholic bookstore. Well, you know, we've been talking about these two terms, Divine Office and Liturgy of the Hours, also Christian Prayer. Um, But we haven't really said what this is, so I think we probably should give them an idea. Yeah. Um, First of all, this Liturgy of the Hours is the official, formal, public, daily liturgical prayer of the Universal Catholic Church. Everybody does it. (laughs) Everybody can do it. Everybody can do it, right. Right. And... um, it is the mystical body of Christ addressing God in the name of all Christians for their benefit. It is the prayer of the whole church for the whole church and for the salvation of the world. So it's heavy duty prayer. Very universal. Um, and, and I started to lead into this explanation, but those who are required to do it, who's required to do it, Francis? It's going to be the priest, the religious uh, deacons. Uh, third orders, some third orders are required to pray morning and evening prayer. Your, um, uh, religious of, uh, can cover many categories, but, uh, definitely your, your, you know, the Pope prays this mm-hmm. and the cardinals and the bishops and the priest and the deacons and they're obligated and other people will pray this, um, because of their desire to join in with this very profound, very beneficial prayer. Yeah, and it's important that we acknowledge and we recognize, especially if we are involved in the, um, uh, the, the prayer of the office, that we are literally joining with the worldwide church. And, and of course, there are Protestants who pray this too. It's not yes. limited to Catholics, uh, but there are Protestants who I know personally who do pray the office. And at the time that we choose to do that, now exact time because of time zones, obviously, it would be different. But uh, at the times when we choose to pray morning prayer, we should know um, that potentially uh, millions of people are praying with us the very same prayers that we're praying at that moment. That's very powerful. Yes. And, you know, um, you said that non-Catholics are even praying this, and that's true because it comes mainly from uh, Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, there's typically uh, psalms and canticles and some um Old or New Testament readings that are in these offices. And so it's very applicable to all Christians. And of course it is prayed, like you said, in communion with everybody. So not only are you praying with the people who are praying it at that time when you pray, but you're in the same spirit mm-hmm. with those throughout the whole world. So that prayer is a, it's an unceasing prayer that continues throughout the day and the night. Yeah, literally, much like the Mass, which we've talked about before on this program, how any place in the world, at some point, there is a Mass being said. Well, uh, the same is true for the uh, prayer of the Church, uh, is literally being prayed every hour of every day throughout the course of the day, uh, somewhere in the world. And in fact, there are probably millions praying uh, at individual hours. And the whole idea of the office, with all the this divine office, with these seven offices, were to pray at different periods of the day and the night to sanctify the whole day, to make the whole day holy. So um, it is trying to live prayer, you know. So I really love that. 
Yeah, now, um, you say here it's a liturgical prayer of the church, the prayer of the Christ, the high priest, and the body of Christ, of course, the church uh, throughout the world, and in communion even with the saints in heaven. Absolutely, because um, uh, on certain feast days, certain sections of those offices will um, be significantly um uh, part, uh yes yeah. emphasize that's the word i want uh, regarding the saint's life or um the saint's virtues um so th- each saint has their own hour uh, or, or liturgy that is attributed to them so once they re- uh get to that point and they're on the universal calendar then the church celebrates them as a whole now, I think I remember uh, remarking to you one time what I'd heard a priest say that um, this is literally, which I was taken by, this is literally the prayer of the angels. The yeah. angels are praying the prayers we're praying. And, and if it's uh, to make it perhaps more intimate, we, sh- we should think of the fact that our guardian angel uh, standing beside us and protecting us throughout the course of the day prays this very prayer as we pray it. Uh, that's very powerful, I think, to, uh, as well, to realize that we are linking with the saints, we're linking with the spiritual uh, uh, bodies, and we're linking with the angels, including our own guardian angel, as we uh, utter this prayer to our Lord. And I was told to remember that these are also the prayers that Jesus prayed. Right. The, the, the Psalms, of course, and the Canticles from the Old Testament would be exactly the prayers that he prayed. And, you know, it's important that we recognize uh, throughout Scripture, we see this, we've talked about this before, Francis, how Christ so many times, Scripture says, went off to pray, right? Absolutely. We know that he prayed in the morning. We know that he prayed in the evening. We know that he prayed in the middle of the night. And these were the very same prayers. This is the model. We don't know exactly what prayers he prayed, but uh, this is the model of the liturgy of the hours, that prayer is unceasing, that it is universal, that it is both those of us yet in the world uh, the monastics and the religious, as well as the heavenly bodies, all praying the same prayer. Very powerful. Right. And, you know, we do know that Jesus prayed the Psalms because that right. was very um, prominent with the Jewish people. The right. devout Jews prayed the Psalms. And so um, we have that, um, which makes up a great deal of the offices. Well, you mentioned the feasts of the saints, and uh, we've talked about the fact that there are four volumes. It may lead some of our listeners to question, well, why four volumes? That seems like an awful lot of prayer. Um, but w- what other aspect of this with regard to uh, the time frame? We know it covers the day, the seven hours of the day, but what with regard to the, uh, the calendar? Well, you're going to have the different feast days, of course, that we mentioned for the saints. You're also going to have the liturgical prayer of the church as far as the seasons, Mm -hmm. like the Easter season, the Lenten season, the Advent season. Um, You're going to have special additional prayers in honor of the Blessed Mother, um, certain uh, big events like the Incarnation or the the Assumption of Mary. So uh, those are each addressed and so you can pray with, with those uh, ideas in mind. And you have one other observation here in our uh, conversation, this idea of light and darkness. Now, I know you mentioned a moment ago, we consecrate the day to the Lord in the morning. And the, and the prayers are, as you said, Francis, they're specific to the hours. They're not um, uh, sort of uh, disassociated with the time that they're they're prayed. And in the morning, oftentimes we find the prayers are directed to consecrating the beginning of our day to the Lord. Uh, but talk about this theme of uh, uh, light and darkness. 
Well, um, light being the light of Christ and the truth and the darkness, uh, is, uh, symbolic of death and the ending of things or the temptations. So, I mean, you can take it from different angles there. Um, well, at night prayer, for example, we, we, uh, there's a specific prayer for night prayer where we say, and, and do you have it in front of you? I'll let you read that quote. I think that would be. Into your hands I commend my spirit? Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, you know, that's the bedtime hour prayer. Um, you know, it's preparing us for sleep. It also helps prepare us for death and because we never know when our time will come. And it's always good to be prepared. You know, the thief comes like in the, in the night when you're unexpected. So you've got to be prepared. Like that was the reading today, um, or, or recently the, at mass. So the Psalms of night prayer are of a trust and of lament. They are sentiments of people who are totally, uh, relying on God. It's trust, serenity, confidence in God. It's a good way to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. So we wake up and we say, Lord, I consecrate my day. Of course, the prayers would support that perspective in the middle of the day. Lord, I know you're still here. Guide me, direct me. In the evening, Lord, as the day begins to, to, to uh, come to a close, this is evening prayer, uh, I think of you. Uh, again, I consecrate myself to you, but I look back now on my day. And, and Lord, please uh, accept the good of my works and, and uh, purify that which was not done perfectly. And then, as you've already mentioned, night prayer brings us back into that uh, darkness where we say, Lord, I, I give myself over to you completely and I ask for your protection as I, as I prepare to sleep. You know, uh, and, and on that morning prayer, you know, we see the dawn as a symbol of the resurrection of Christ and it helps us to realize his glorious victory. And we're celebrating that. And, and just like we emphasize that on Sundays and, you know, as we're praying these hours, it helps us to pray the seasons of the church, to pray the mysteries of Christ's life, to pray the history of the church, including Old Testament, New Testament. So um, you really start to get into the cyclical nature of the uh, life of, of uh, Christ and, and God's um, love for his people. This daytime prayer in the middle, like you said, it is, um, you know, remembering. It's a, an opportunity for us to remember. But the emphasis here on the middle of the day is on thy will be done, which is what we need to approach each day with in all of our actions. Thy will be done. So if you want to work on doing God's will, praying the daytime prayers, the mid-morning, the afternoon or mid-afternoon, these prayers are the ones that are going to really focus on that. And that mainly comes from Psalm 119 which is the longest psalm, I believe, in the book of Psalms. Mm -hmm. And in all of those 176 verses, each verse has something about God's will, his counsel, his direction, um, all kinds of different words for God's will. And it's so very important because at midday, we've been engaged in our daily activities, whatever those might be for some period of time. Even if you are religious, you still have... Uh, your daily obligation, certainly for us seculars, uh, it may mean work, it may mean care for our children, what have you, but uh, w we can run the risk of being drawn into those daily activities and uh, become forgetful of God for some period of time. But this draws us back, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And then in, when we go to that evening prayer, um, 
the the main focus is my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. It's the emphasis on the fullness of Christ's love, the fullness of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the intercessory prayers here are for the benefit of all humanity, whereas the intercessory prayers in the morning prayer are more um, uh, singular, uh, for individualized um here in the evening, it's, it's about the universal church. So, um, after the evening prayer, then we, into your hands, I commend my spirit into the night prayer. And again, um, that office of readings is the. Say something about the office of readings, because again, we should distinguish the office of readings first is not uh, obligatory for, for seculars anyway. It wouldn't be found in the single volume Christian prayer. Uh, but as someone who prays the office of readings, it's actually the uh, office that I look forward to the most. Why it's, is that? You uh, got to tell well, them why. It, it's typically an Old Testament reading, or it may be a New Testament reading, but then it is always combined with a reading, a reflection from a church father. Uh, and there is so much to be drawn from those readings throughout the course of either the day, uh, read. Typically, uh, I read it anyway in the morning, but uh, to reflect on throughout the course of the day. And as you mentioned, the seasonal um, uh, nature of the uh, office provides us opportunities to reflect on certain significant um, moments throughout the course of the year, whether it's the Easter season, the uh, Christmas season, or what have you. Uh, and, and the readings will typically be uh, geared in that direction. So there's so much meat, I think, so much value, spiritual value to be drawn from the office of reading. Yeah, I like to read the office of the readings, too. I might not get the Psalms of the office of the readings uh, in, but I do like to do the readings. Yeah. And, you know, you said um, that you reflect on those for the rest of the day. And that is a key of what's important about the office in general. And that is that it is a pondering. Um, it's like a mini uh, retreat or a day of recollection in a sense, because you have a lot of food for thought. Um, and this is an opportunity uh, to emphasize listening to God. What is God speaking to me um, in these readings? Whereas the earlier um, offices are more of a sense of speaking to God, the people speaking to God. Here in the office of readings, it's God speaking to us. And of course, we know of, that God speaks to us in all of them. But the the uh, intellectual discursiveness, the uh, going from point to point occurs more easily at this office of readings. Yeah, and you bring up a very good point. I know we've talked about this, or we've had a conversation about this before, Francis, but this idea that in the office, in the liturgy of the hours, we are speaking the word. We, we literally, now of course if it's done in community, and you're going to share this in our second half of the program, if it's done in community it may be sung or it may be spoken, but the word is literally spoken. Even if you're alone, the word is spoken. It's not simply uh, you know read in the mind. It is then translated, of course, intellectually, discursively into the mind. We think about it. We, we uh, might reflect on it, but we might look for those themes for the readings or the psalms that resonate for us, what the Lord wants to speak to us. And then uh, lastly, and of course most importantly, we're trying to have that theme or that idea enter into the heart, uh, which is where it will stay with us throughout the course of the day. Typically, if we just speak something, it's spoken and 
the word is is gone uh, when we intellectually retain it it's it's um, held on to for a longer period of time but when it enters the heart when the idea of it enters the heart then we have the chance that it stays with us throughout the course of the day and that's obviously what we want the liturgy of the hours to do not simply be an iterated uh, an uttered prayer rather or a thought prayer but something that enters in and touches the heart and, and gives us food for reflection throughout the course of the day. Yeah, and the whole goal there is to develop your relationship with God. I mean, that's what prayer is, is a loving relationship with God, a conversation with Him. And so if we're just saying it, and that's one of my pet peeves, saying your prayers, I don't like that. I like to restate it as praying your Your prayers, prayers, praying the office. Um, I think the words are important, and how we say that Mm -hmm. is important. So pray the office, pray the prayers. This has a way of consecrating your day to the Lord, of remembering the Lord throughout the day, um, and having your heart open to being uh, led by the Holy Spirit through these prayers, because these psalms, they're inspired prayers. These scripture readings, they're inspired. Uh, they were written under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so here we are. It's a heavenly prayer. Mm-hmm. We're all familiar with that experience, I hope, anyway. We've all had at one time or another that experience of reading a poem, for example, and the poem, the words themselves may be um, colorful or uh, uh, elegant or what have you. Uh, and then there's the intellectual acquisition of what is being communicated, but ultimately to have the effect where uh, there may even be a physical reaction to a poem. You know, you might feel a sense of warmth or excitement or... Tingling. Yeah, whatever. Uh, good poetry has that effect on us. This is the exact same thing that we're talking about here, although this is on a very spiritual level. Um, spoken word, understood and then translate it into a deep experience of the heart is very powerful for uh, um, getting something that we can, as I say, reflect on throughout the course of the day. Well, let's take a break, and when we come back, I know we want to talk a little bit more about exactly how we go through um, the, the office and, and a little more detail on the individual prayers, but also we want to reflect on our own experiences about that. And the benefits, why we should do this. And the benefits, absolutely. Well, remind you, you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Ja 
Welcome back to Carmelite Conversations. In this particular program, our conversation is around the Liturgy of the Hours, or the Divine Office, and we're talking um, more about what it is, a little bit about how one prays it, and we want to focus largely in this conversation, in the second half of our program, on the benefits 
uh, of the divine office. We won't be able, I think, in any uh, uh, detailed way, Francis, to walk people through how to pray it. Um, in fairness, it does take a little bit of a familiarization. There are always good instruction books when you buy a version of the office, or if you go online, there are very good instructions. And I know you've got some references that we're going to share at the end um, What where people can begin to understand it. I think what we're trying to get across is the significance of the prayer, its universality, uh, the fact that there are uh, so many people praying this throughout the um, the uh, church and the world, and the uh, consecration of the hours of the day through this means of prayer. Um, but let's talk about some of the, the gifts, some of the benefits that come. Yes, I, I found this list, Gifts of the Divine Office, from a book called The School of Prayer, An Introduction of the Divine Office for All Christians by John Brooke. Gifts of the Divine Office. He's got a list here, and he goes into each one of these at length, and we, we're just going to list them because we, we've got other things to share with you. But if you want to know more, get the book, The School of Prayer by John Brooke. Um, first list was God's gifts to us in the office. The first was the gift of participation in the priesthood of Christ. The second was the gift of the presence of Christ. And this, uh, I think, echoes the theme that you said before, that uh, these are, of course, the Psalms we know are the very prayers that Christ himself prayed. So uh, we enter into, and you know, there's that great analogy that we've discussed before when we've uh, addressed this with a couple of saints, the indwelling of, of the Holy Spirit, literally praying through us, and we're giving voice to the Lord's Prayer through our own vocal cords uh, and our own body, our own thoughts, our own uh, uh, spirit dwelling in us. We're giving voice to that prayer that Christ is actually, the Holy Spirit is actually praying through us. Right. Um, the gift of the word of Christ, the word, the gift of freedom in Christ, because this is very liberating as we grow spiritually. It liberates us from being bound. The gift of the Holy Spirit, of course, the gift of the church as the body of Christ and the gift of heaven. This is a very, um, heaven is our home direction. And as we pray, this is where we have our eyes set on God and reaching heaven to go to our, where we belong. Then, um, he lists our gifts to God. So the first part was God's gifts to us. And now our gifts to him are one, the gift of each day, um, through these prayers, the gift of praise, so important, such a big part of the Psalms is this gift of praise and the gift of our lives. And, you know, when we give up um, some of our time, obviously this, if you pray, even if you pray morning and evening prayer, um, you would hope you're spending uh, potentially uh, 20 or 30 minutes of good time in prayer. Uh, and we'll say a little bit more in a moment about how this leads to contemplation, but it is a sacrifice, isn't it? I mean, in our busy schedules, to carve that time away in the morning. I know in our house in the morning, things are very busy. We're getting kids off to school and and whatnot. And it, it is a sacrifice to make that time. And it may mean having to get up a little earlier or dispensing with something else that we, we might want to do. Evening prayer, um, uh, typically 
prayed in the, say, 6 o'clock time frame, which may mean you don't get to watch that television program or you don't get to have that phone conversation you were otherwise going to have. But there is a level of commitment, I think, that needs to be made in concert with this idea of gift, the gift of our day, the gift of our praise. The gift of our life is a... Um, uh, a manifestation, if you will, of our sacrifice to make time for this prayer. And it helps to know the benefits so that you are um, more willing to be committed, too. Well, this brings me to a point, though. I ran across this funny story that I have to share um, because I think it says a lot. There's a, a story that made the clerical rounds about 20 years ago, and it's about these two priests that they're mindful of the occupation of some of the apostles. And so they were, like the apostles, spending their day off fishing. And since the fish were not biting, both had settled back to say the office when a sudden squall came up and threatened to capsize the boat. Well, one of the priests, reaching for the oars, yelled in panic to the other, put away that book and start praying. (laughs) The point being, somewhat missing the point. Yeah, yeah. Some people are like, you know, they're just saying that office rather than praying the office. So uh, we want to point out these benefits so that you will be more encouraged to pray to make the commitment because the payoffs are heavenly. Well, you know, we've talked about the fact that this prayer is uh, setting the rhythm of the day. It's an organized structure. It covers um, the uh, the major. Uh, uh, hours uh, throughout the day. Uh, but this point you just raise about, um, you know, being attentive and praying the prayer rather than simply saying the prayer gives us the opportunity to use the office, the divine office, as a entryway into contemplation. Talk a little bit about how we use the prayer to begin to enter into silence and beyond the prayer itself into contemplation. I think you better answer that because you're really good at talking about uh, silence. So I'm going to let you take that one. Well, uh, that's a little ironic that I'm going to talk about silence. But uh, <laughs> the prayer of the divine office is, in fact, a very good way to begin to enter into and practice contemplation because it gives us, uh, as Francis said earlier, it gives us so much to reflect on um, and to serve as a conversation point between ourselves and God. But ultimately, since it's conversation, there has to be a point where we begin to listen. You have to make time for this prayer. In other words, I said a moment ago that it might take you 20 or 30 minutes. And that's actually, I think, the time that it would take to read the prayers, uh, to go through and actually slowly and, and, and meditatively read the prayers. But if you're actually hoping to enter into that through contemplation, I want to caution you. I think that may take closer to an hour. And um, when you talk about contemplation, you're talking about more of that pondering mode as opposed to um, the gift of contemplation or the gift of contemplative prayer that, yeah. that God gives, which, of course, praying the office does open us up for receiving that gift because we are trying to make holy our day and be open to God's grace and be open to when he causes to that contemplative gift of prayer. Yeah. So there's two senses of contemplative prayer here. Absolutely. And, and, and we remember that uh, St. Teresa teaches us uh, that we have to uh, move beyond the material experience of our life, right? We have to move beyond all those distractions, all those um, um, you know, it may be a physical ailment that you're dealing with, or it may be an issue in your family, or it may be any one of a number of things that inevitably at the beginning of our prayer session will be distracting. They'll be drawing us away. 
the office gives us a very deliberate model and and sequence of steps to help us to both detach from that experience and then to enter in that's the point it's detaching from that that uh, whole series of potential distractions and then entering into this silent contemplative um uh, listening mode uh, that the office can introduce us into. And that's the power of it. And we can draw on the fact, we should always re- think of this as you pray the office. Think, as I said before, there are likely millions of others praying the very same prayers you're praying at the moment you're praying them. If you pray, for example, the morning prayer, typically it's prayed around the 6 o'clock hour. It doesn't have to be, but it might be. Uh, maybe for you it's the 7, 8, 9 o'clock hour, what have you. Uh, but, but regardless of when you do it, because of the change of timelines, acknowledge and recognize and, and draw strength from the fact that millions of others across the globe are praying the very same prayers that you're praying at the moment you're praying them, and they're praying for you as well. That's part of the, 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 the strength of this, Francis said, evening prayer most especially. We are praying for the universal church. And, and we can take consolation that if we're doing a poor job of praying, maybe somebody else is doing a really good job of, of praying. And, and we kind of make up for each other's deficiencies. Um, we offer our own, but, you know, sometimes we're the strength to hold somebody else up, but other times they're the strength for us. But joined together, it is much more than it would have been alone. Right. And, and, you know, you can pray this office by yourself, um, and you're in union with others spiritually. But more often than not, in the orders and in the religious communities, they're praying them in community. However, our, our priests, you know, are, are out there at the parishes, most of them, or, or a great deal of them, and so they're probably praying them alone or, or with some parishioners maybe that that want to join but so whether you're praying it alone or in a group it is still very beneficial um, because you're upholding each other and together it's the hugest prayer group you can get (laughs) yeah and the other thing you point out francis is the idea that there's logic to it not just in the order of the seasons or the order of the day that we talked about but the prayer itself and we don't want to go into too much detail because as i said it would be difficult i think to instruct uh in in this format um the uh, sequence of the prayers in a given hour but typically uh the prayers will include a hymn um, a series of psalms, usually three if we're talking about morning or evening prayer as an example. So there'll be three psalms. Uh, there'll be a verse that will be read, a first and second reading. Uh, and I'm in the office now. Um, on on uh, weekends, uh, there's the uh, special prayer of the Te Deum. And then there's a concluding prayer. A typical hour for the morning, as an example, would include the same three prayers, uh, an Old Testament canticle or psalm, uh, a New Testament canticle or psalm, and then a simple reading, a gospel canticle, and the intercessor, uh, intercessory prayers w- followed by the Our Father and a concluding prayer. You don't need to memorize any of what I've said. The point I'm trying to emphasize is there's logic, there's structure, there's sequence to Order. This. We have a God of order. Yeah, and all of this is drawn from Scripture, as you said, uh, and so the inherent logic of that is that we're being given a very focused and deliberate sequence of prayers that can help us move from the vocal through the mental into that interior contemplative uh, prayer. And 
unlike some of our individual prayers, which can tend to be um, somewhat distracted and scattered and so forth, the office provides a very specific way to work through a deliberate sequence of prayer supported by Scripture, guiding us into the entry of that uh, interior door, which we hope leads to contemplation and silence and listening. And in a sense, it's a formation program, a formation of prayer, um, because you're uh, being nourished in your personal piety and your spiritual growth and maturity, and you're doing this through the church. And what you read, uh, what you're praying is in influential to your life today it is not just happened way back then no it has meaning for now and as we grow closer to the mind of god to the way god wants us to pray you know we will pray um with more love and a deeper relationship with god and the prayer will be more potent and you should look for um as you pray uh the office you should look for that theme uh, perhaps it's only one theme, one idea, one uh, significant teaching that you want to take away. And it may resonate for you throughout the three individual psalms and the, um, the, the verse or the scripture reading. You may find that there is continuity between all of them in a given day. Sometimes that happens, depending on what may be going on in your life. Sometimes it's just the scripture verse, and the scripture verse will jump off the page. I know in my own experience, uh, Francis, and I'm sure this is true for you as well, uh, I can go back through my uh, four-volume set on any given day, and I will have highlighted something. <laughs> now, I've stopped doing that, I have to tell you, in my four-volume, because not because there are so many highlights, but because um, I may highlight something in a particular year, in a particular season, on a particular day, uh, because it really hit me on that day in the context of what I was experiencing. This is the way the Lord reaches out to us. And then a year later, I may come across that exact same page, and I look at that highlight and I say, why did I highlight this? I have no idea what that means today. Uh, I write notes in the margin. <laughs> so I remember. I think that's a good idea. I'd write them in pencil myself so that I could erase because it may not have the same significance. But, uh, and I think that's so often the case. Don't we find this in scripture when we read scripture? There are examples where on a given day, uh, because of what may be going on in your life, something just jumps off the page at you, and it's as though the Lord grabs you with the power of the Holy Spirit and said, this is for you today. This is your message today. This right. is what I wanted you to hear. You need to know this, you know? And uh, um, it, it may have incredible significance in that moment, not as much significance at some other time, but we know that the Lord speaks to us through this prayer. We know that he uses this uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, to draw us closer to him by drawing us through that very deliberate sequence and then again, hopefully, uh, into those moments of quiet where we can very much listen to him. Well, and you touched on this moments of quiet, and that is so special to me because really the the instruction about how to pray the office or the liturgy, the hours, talks about sacred silences and how important they are. In fact, I took a, a quote uh, from the one-volume Christian prayer uh, regarding sacred sil silences, and it says, It is a general principle that care should be taken in liturgical actions to see that a sacred silence is observed at its proper time, and to unite our personal prayer more closely with the Word of God and the public voice of the Church, it is permissible, as occasion 
offers and prudence suggests to have an interval of silence because this silence gives you an, a time to ponder, to think about, okay, well, how does this apply to me? And to have a private conversation with God. And it also um, provides a time to focus on what the, the, um, the message might be. For yeah. You know, each of those Psalms has a title in red. Um, there's, Print that's in black, and there's print that's in red. Print that's in red, you don't say out loud, but you should read it because it's going to give you some information to help you focus your prayer. So the print that is in black is what we pray out loud. Now, we can pray this all on our own, or we can do it in a group. If we are in a group, it is highly advisable and recommended that we um, pray it Corally or inquire, which basically means going from side to side, like the left side and the right side. And now I, I, the Dominicans have a great way of explaining this, uh, why this is good. So I'm going to steal their explanation. They say each side thus takes its turn preaching God's word while the other listens and contemplates, then listens as the other preaches. I really like that idea. In effect, choral prayer in this fashion creates a microcosm of our life of comp- contemplation and apostolic. Oh, I can't apostolic. pronounce words today. <laughs> apostolic action. That's, that's, that's a tough one, yeah. Um, yeah, I often have the, the great privilege of praying this prayer, even with only one other person, Deacon Baldwin, who's been a guest, and we referenced him a moment ago, but uh, he and I have had the occasion uh, to pray the office together, and uh, even with only two people, that back and forth has a very powerful effect, because it gives you a moment to take a breath, someone else is praying the prayer for you, and you can just sort of uh, stop and listen and take it in. That's very, very helpful. Are you reciting it or are you chanting it? No, we're reciting Ah, it. Now, I have to say that the instruction says when you can, it is best to chant. And they say this because, um, uh, you know, we, we have a more contemplative sense when we're chanting. And it says from the Christian Prayer General Instructions, it says, it is also preferable to sing the office in choir and in community as opportunity offers in accordance with the nature and function of its individual parts. In this way, the apostle's ex- exhortation is obeyed. Let the word of Christ dwell in you in all its richness as you teach and advise each other in all wisdom by psalms, hymns, and spiritual canticles, singing thankfully in your hearts to God. And that's read, scriptural. Read, read the footnote, though. You see the footnote? No. It, it says right there, unless you have a terrible voice. <laughs> <laughs> You forgot that part. See, Deacon Baldwin has a great voice. He's a musician, but I don't want to impose on his prayer time by having to uh, subject him to oh, my We voice. could offer that suffering <laughs> up, Mark. <laughs> uh, I, I want to go back to this uh, uh, discussion on silence and, and remind our listeners of something St. Uh, Teresa, our own Teresa of Avila, has said, and uh, that is when we experience those moments, even as we're praying the office. If, for example, uh, the Lord should whisk us away spiritually, something really comes to us. We feel uh, for a moment that the Lord is drawing us into a more uh, contemplative, silent, intimate experience in the midst of the office. What should we do? We should go with God. <laughs> we should stop praying the office at that moment now. And don't uh, feel like you have to make up what you missed. You know, if you're, if you've got half an hour and this is the only time you've got and your half an hour is gone, don't give yourself a guilt complex because you know, the bottom line was to have a, a connection with God. And that's the important point is that the office is still 
there simply to facilitate our entry into that union with God. And if God wants us to utter every word and pray it uh, in, in the way that it is uh, uh, laid out to be prayed, then he'll have us do that. If for a moment he intercedes or intervenes rather and says, no, I want you to stop here. I want you to be quiet. I don't want you to read the next verse. I want you to just wait because I have some work I'm going to do. And you'll know that moment when it comes. Teresa tells us, stop, let God do his work. And yes, if time remains, then you should finish the office, but don't feel a sense. Don't do it out of a sense of obligation. As Francis said earlier, we shouldn't um, uh, pray the prayers. We shouldn't say the prayers. We should pray the prayers and we shouldn't do so out of a sense of obligation. We should do so out of a sense of love, uh, of a desire and expression. They're all an expression of our desire. But when we feel that moment where the spirit is drawing us out of the written word, even out of the, the visual uh, reading and the intellectual uh, recitation in our mind, we should stop and, and uh, we should let the Lord do his work there. Exactly. Same goes for when we pray the rosary, you know, or, or any prayer for that matter. Yeah. And you'll know those moments. Our listeners are probably, well, what do you mean? What is that? What is that like? And all I can say is you'll know when you've spent enough time with the Lord. And uh, I, I certainly don't pretend to have done so myself, but uh, we'll know. Our great saints tell us that we'll know. And, you know, praying the Liturgy of the Hours is an awesome way to prepare for Mass. It points to Mass and all the mysteries in Mass, and it continues the celebration of Mass as you go into evening or night prayer or the Office of Reading. So uh, you will start to see if you are daily Mass attendee, if you're um, praying the Liturgy of the Hours daily, you will start to see how they um, are very thoughtfully um, put together, they complement each other. And so it all works together. It is so beautiful. Francis, you have some uh, online um, resources here that I want to make sure to get out to our listeners. Again, if you do go to a Catholic bookstore and ask for a copy of the Liturgy of the Hours, it is not an inexpensive investment, but certainly well worth it, and it will last for years. Uh, but there are alternatives, and those are the online uh, resources. You want to share those? Well, the most expensive one, <laughs> we'll put that up, but the most thorough one would be the four-volume edition called The Liturgy of the Hours. Yeah, that's the written. No, that's the, the book series. Yeah, you, you we're talking cur- about actually books right yeah. here uh, that you can hold in your hand right. <laughs> with paper. <laughs> and this has... Um, uh, the complete year of the liturgical year has all of the feast, all the seasons, all of the hours uh, that are prayed are in these volumes. Uh, the first volume is mainly Advent, Christmas, Epiphany. The second volume is the Lenten and Easter season. The third volume is the beginning of the ordinary time, and the fourth volume is the ending of the ordinary time. Ordinary time consistent with the church calendar. The ordinary, right. yes, time of the church calendar, exactly. And so that that is the the, the full meal deal. Now, <laughs> if you're just beginning, don't go that route because it can be overwhelming um, unless you're willing to w- work really hard all the way through it. Um, what we would suggest is probably go with the one-volume edition, which is normally called the Christian Prayer. And there's two editions of this one-volume, uh, the Daughters of St. Paul and the Catholic Book Edition. And um, they have um, usually morning prayer, evening prayer, um, night prayer. Um, and some may have the hymns and the music notation 
is in them. The fourth volume does not have the musical notation, which bothers me because I'm a musician. Um, so in that sense, I wanted the one volume so that I could have the music to read and not just the words of the hymns. So um, that is a nice um, advantage. There's also large print of versions for those of us who need to um, have help to read. Yeah, I just want to point out, too, another good way to uh, begin if you haven't ever been exposed to the liturgy the, uh, of the Hours of the Divine Office is the Magnificat. Uh, the Magnificat itself has a version of morning prayer and evening prayer. Now, it's a slimmed-down version, so it's a single psalm. doesn't have uh, the full complement of three psalms. But if you have the Magnificat, if you're someone who gets the Magnificat and reads that or uh, find it in your local church, uh, look at that um, uh, model for the morning. They have the morning prayer before they go into the Mass, and then they have another evening prayer. That is exactly the sequence of um, the Liturgy of the Hour. So uh, you may have been praying it for some time on a, albeit again, a slimmed-down version, if you've been getting the Magnificat. Yeah, there are also some online sources, ebreviary.com, divineoffice.org, universalist.com, and you can get um, apps for your cell phones, um, ibreviary pro on iTunes, or there is um, offices that you can download on these smartphones. Well, again, we've been covering the uh, divine office, and we want to... Uh, uh, encourage you, I think the theme is we want to encourage you very much to uh, take advantage of the uh, resources that are available to you. Uh, and, and we've shared some of those, and your Catholic bookstore can certainly guide you to others. Uh, let's, Francis, close as we do each week with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O oh, Jesus, vouchsafe to associate my poor prayer with the great prayer of the church. Amen. Thank you again. You've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. God bless.